Welcome to the Create a Relationship You Love Summit series. I'm your host, Andrea Carella, and the benefits of the summit are to help couples create satisfying, authentic, harmonious, and passionate relationships. Today, we have a very special guest. Her name is Bailey Fruman, and she is a psychotherapist, motivation maven, and one of the top 20 mindful life coaches to watch. Now, I know Bailey personally. We went to a all-women's retreat about two years ago, and I just love her energy and her philosophy and her way of working with couples and individuals. And she helps people alleviate stress, uncertainty, and overwhelm. And today we're going to be talking about intentional loving, three steps towards manifesting change and creating fulfilling relationships with your partner. We'll cover the three levels of awareness in relationships, how to be an ideal partner and remove blocks that get in your way, and how to create more fun, freedom, connection, and happiness with the one that you love. Welcome to the summit, Bailey. It's wonderful to have you on today. Oh, thank you so much, Andrea. I really appreciate you inviting me. Wonderful. So tell me a little bit about how, I know you're married and you have a child. I'm wondering, how do you uh, create that fun, freedom, connection, and happiness in your own marriage that could offer some insights and tips for couples that are on the call? Sure. Happy to share. You know, I think that it really comes down to getting clear about what that ideal relationship and connection looks like for you. So often we, I believe that we get stuck in that place of feeling like what we have either isn't enough or isn't making the grade. Sometimes we're looking around at what other people's relationships look like or what we think that is going on in their relationship. And we judge ourselves and our partner based on others, right? Even the social media and Television shows, they portray relationships in one way before we even take the time to get clear about what we want. So I always think that when it comes even to myself, it had everything to do with being clear about what our ideal connection would look like together and then working towards that as my goal rather than all the shoulds that spring up for us. Mm. And so what have been some of those intentions that you have found to be the most useful in creating the relationship that you love with your partner that could be a roadmap for some of the couples on the call to have as a starting point to be intentional in their loving with their partner? Sure. So being intentional, I think that I really like to look at six domains. I know it seems like a lot, but When it comes to fulfillment, we really want to consider what would being in our ideal relationship look like from our spiritual place, from our, like our physical, our body, our health, our mental and emotional, even our financial. You know, when we think about even our career or the relationships that we have with others, I think that those six domains really create a picture of when we set our intentions in our relationships, it's about getting clear about those other domains first and also how those other domains influence our relationship as it is with our partner. So for me, part of being intentional with my relationship with my husband has everything to do with deciding how we want to live our lives. So for example, for both of us, being physically fit is important, right? We use it not only to kind of get outside and play a little bit, but it's also about just taking care of ourselves. 
Mm. So on a typical weekend, if my husband says, hey, I'm going to paddle out and surf on Saturday morning, I'm usually saying, great, awesome. When you get back, I'll grab a yoga class. And Mm -hmm. it's that reciprocity. But the reciprocity comes in because we've set the intention that that's how we want our relationship to work, that we both have these priorities, you know, to take care of ourselves, for example. Mm-hmm. And that in making that time, we're not only respecting each other, but we're also respecting the vision that we have for our relationship as athletic and active people, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And being able to focus on that relationship with yourself too, having that self-care opportunity to nurture yourself from within so that you can nurture your partner without <laughs> in the in the context of the relationship. Absolutely. That's Absolutely. great. That's great. So um, as you mentioned that there are different levels of awareness that can come up in our in our relationship, um, those different aspects that, that can come up, um, I guess, mentally, emotionally, and behaviorally. Can you share what those levels of awareness are and how somebody on the call can navigate through those levels of awareness so that they can actually empower themselves in their relationship rather than feeling disempowered? Absolutely. So when it comes to raising your awareness and your satisfaction in your relationship and deepening your connection, I truly believe that it starts with us, right? Because so often we do. We'll look outside of ourselves and say, you know, she's not or he's not or if our relationship was instead of looking within ourselves. So I go to awareness because So often we are in a place of do, do, do. When we're not happy with something, we want to do, we want to change, we want to action on it rather than raising the awareness. So I think that raising the awareness is one of the key elements in order to feel our most satisfied, not only in our relationship, but also amongst ourselves, which is obviously the most important because until you take care of yourself, you're not going to be taking care of your relationship. It's hard to be in that place. And another thing is that we don't want to lose ourselves in our relationship because we're giving all our energy there. So it does. It has to it has to come from within in order to to give it out. But that being said, when it comes to our awareness, I like to look at three domains of our awareness. First has everything to do with our self-talk. The things that we say to ourselves And sometimes I like to call it our story, right? What story are we telling ourselves? The second is how we're feeling. The level of awareness around how we're feeling will largely influence our actions. And it also comes from the self-talk that we're already hearing in our head. And then that third level of awareness is our actions, what we choose to do with how we're feeling and what we're thinking. So... For example, when it comes to our self-talk, it is all related. It's really a cycle because one perpetuates the next. And what's also interesting is that when our self-talk is kind of negative, and oftentimes we'll say things like, I'm not good enough, I'm not smart enough, I'm not attractive enough, I'm not capable enough, right? A lot of our fill-in-the-blank has everything to do with not being enough of something. And when we have that self-talk going on in our mind, When you think about it being a cycle, that self-talk relates to feelings that are often feeling inadequate, feeling like we aren't able to perform the job or be connected or 
do our best. We often can then feel angry, frustrated, sad, you know, depressed, lonely. And we do tend to point the finger at other people rather than looking from within. Mm-hmm. So I say that it's a cycle, especially these three levels of awareness, because it goes from that self-talk to the how we want to feel. So if our self-talk is negative, our feelings are going to be negative, and then resulting in actions that are negative, actions which seem like we are either can be resentful, we're frustrated, we're like short with people, um, that we're not so patient, that we're snippy, and it can continue to cycle because when we act that way, then we start to continue to feel those negative feelings um, and we continue to have those negative thoughts. So it just goes around and around and around. And where I find the place for interruption is really in that self-talk because when we're able to interrupt that self-talk and identify like what's the story that I'm telling myself versus what's the story, what would I rather believe instead? Like, obviously, if this story isn't working for me because I've raised my awareness to, to say that it's not working for me, then it's about how I want to feel instead. And in interrupting that self-talk cycle, it's like we just shoot through the moon with how capable we are in acting change, not only in our life, but also in our relationship. Sure. And I think it's really catching yourself when you're starting to get in that funk, whether mentally or Mm -hmm. emotionally, because obviously that can create a ripple effect in our environment and then it can activate our partner and their stuff and their emotional well-being. And then it just, that negativity can spread very easily if we're, we're we're not conscious or responsible with it. So I think really knowing how to first become aware, hey, I'm in a negative mood or I'm in a funk and calling yourself out on it is like the first step. And then the second step is, okay, how do I take responsibility to shift out of this mood or shift out of this mindset so that I don't start creating toxic energy in in my environment? So with that said, do you have some, some tips or strategies that you use or that you use with your clients to help get out of that funk, that mental funk or that emotional funk as quickly and as easily and smoothly as possible when some of the people on the call maybe get into that space? Sure. Yeah, we all do get into that space. So that's the first part, I think, is really acknowledging that we're in that space and not judging ourselves for it. So often, I believe that we do, we jump to judgment because we're not happy with how we're feeling, it's often incongruent from what we want. And that incongruence causes a friction. And we do, if we don't do anything about that friction, we dig ourselves deeper into the whole of it. So that's why I say it starts with removing the judgment and instead allowing it to be awareness. You know, because when I say judgment, oftentimes we judge ourselves for the way that we're feeling rather than acknowledging the feeling and then trying to get underneath it and start to look at what the triggers are. And that's really the second step. So once you're in a place where you have decided like, okay, this is how I'm feeling and all right, I'm beating myself up over feeling this way. So I'm going to remove the judgment. Then the next thing to do is to, to really do a process that I call observing and catching. And what it is, is observing the way that you feel, right? We all have feelings that spring up, so many feelings during the course of the day. And to 
catch that feeling. So rather than letting it permeate us and become part of our story, instead catching it almost as an act of visualization, like catching it in your hand, holding it at, at arm's length as if whatever you were thinking or feeling or even as the situation that came up almost got tossed towards you as like, um, like in a glass ball, right? And you were able to catch that and you were able to look at that that feeling, right? So if it, let's just say, was resentment, it comes up in relationships, right? And navigating those waters. So resentment comes your way and you catch it. Instead of letting it permeate you as a person and decided that I am resentful, right? Instead, we catch it and we say, I am feeling resentful. The process of changing it is to be able to catch it and observe it and say, why? And create some distance between your identifying yeah. with the feeling and being the observer of the feeling. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Because when we do, you know, when we say I am, let's just say resentful, I am resentful, then what are our feelings? If we're going back to the self-talk cycle, what are the feelings or the actions? What are the feelings or the actions? So we're just going to act out in a resentful way. But if instead we hold it out and say, I am feeling resentful, we start to go into the basement of why. So I say observing and catching because we observe what's going on, we catch it, and then we start to ask ourselves why. When we are able to pull apart what those triggers are, that puts us in the power position to changing it. So, of course, Andrea, I can tell you, you can meditate, you can go for a walk, you can do deep breathing, you can you know, go for a run, you can buy flowers, you can go to yoga class, you can smell some lavender. You know, I can tell you all those things and those mm-hmm. are all awesome tools. But in my work, I really like to have people look at the root of things because when you're in that power position to look at the root of things, to look at what triggered you, to look at why you're feeling the way that you do, then you're in a stronger position not only to change it, but to either prevent it from happening again or be able to identify it so strongly that you can cut it off at the past so it doesn't continue to perpetuate itself as a pattern. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And I think I think one of the greatest challenges, especially when somebody's in an emotionally charged state of mind, is that we want to, I guess, alleviate it from inside and sometimes we project it outward or dump it on our partner. And that's really a short-term fix, long-term problem. Mm. And I think that when we actually, and this is probably the greatest challenge, is slowing ourselves down, Mm. being patient, tolerating the distress, being responsible to regulate our emotions so that we can actually do that deeper exploration and what am I feeling underneath this anger? What am I feeling underneath this resentment? Typically, it's hurt or sadness or loneliness And if we can get in touch with that, and then we can explore, oh, because my need for connection isn't happening, or my need for stability isn't happening, then we have an opportunity to really see what is the the root that is driving that need or that emotion. Exactly. And and again, it, it puts us in a powerful position, not only for ourselves, but for who we show up as in as the second part of our relationship. Right. Right. Definitely. And I think I think being able to to slow ourselves down, I, I'm wondering for couples that sometimes get stuck in the loop where they go into the blame game or they go into right and wrong and, and proving themselves. I, I see this sometimes. 
how can those couples that are stuck in that negative cycle pull themselves out of that emotional charge or that impulse control Mm. issue that just wants to respond and react because it can happen so quickly? How can some people on the call be able to just pull themselves out and take a step back so that they can start communicating from a more intentional, productive place? You know, I'm telling you, it's really that observing and catching process that I think allows us to be in that powerful position to pull ourselves out. But in addition to that, it is being in that place where you're asking yourself, what's my story? And that's that it is very hard to do when we're reacting. So I do tend to go to the tried and true, like, okay, like, you know, you're, you're bubbling up and you're boiling over. It's like, take a deep breath, um, walk away, choose to agree to put this on hold. Mm-hmm. You know, I do go to those, those default ones, so to speak, they're very important. But mm-hmm. I think that you're right. When we are feeling that sense of impulse and then it's just like, you know, what's coming through to us is just coming through in a, in a very um, emotional way. Sometimes we do need to have that space and that breath before we can do our observing and catching. But it is also about asking yourself, like, what's the story that I'm telling myself that is making me feel the way that I do? Yeah, I think that it's those stories that really create the suffering. If we're, we just attach meaning to things so quickly and assume that we know when maybe we don't know. Perhaps we may perceive, oh, my partner doesn't care about me. And when you dig deeper and you explore further, it's like maybe the person is really overwhelmed and distracted right now because they have to go into work and somebody just called and, and, reported that something wasn't working right and that's where their mind is and it's not about them caring or not caring it's just that they're in a overwhelmed space so yeah. it could, that can very easily happen in a relationship those that's mixed signals <laughs> yeah no well you're exactly right it's the mixed signals based on the story that we are telling ourselves sure so how can couples on the call be that ideal partner that they want to have and then be in in relationship and how can they remove the blocks that get in their way of becoming that ideal partner absolutely so three three real steps there three things that i'd like us to really highlight is that i believe that it takes two to tango right and the first thing is giving to get you know so often we you know, we, we take our partners for granted sometimes. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure I could be just as, you know, quick to, to raise my hand and, and say that, yeah, I probably do. But I think that when we take our partners for granted, it takes us out of that position of giving. So when we want to give to get, give to get comes from doing something for our partners first before expecting something from them. You know, so even with, with my guy, like I do, I keep his favorite gourmet coffee and his favorite beer on hand. And I surprise him with like rubbing his shoulders. And I do all these things before I expect him to roll up his sleeves and really get to work. I, I give first. And I think that when we give, we're able to do so in a place of abundance, right? In a place of being able to be happy, be willing, and feel good that not only are you taking care of the person that you love, but they are going to be taking care of you in return because they are the most special person to you. Mm -hmm. Uh, The second 
is really about giving even more. So like I said, with, uh, with my guy and, and he likes to get in the water and surf. And for me, I want to get to my yoga class and we do have a little one. So navigating those waters is different than it was even a year ago. So when it comes to the second step of giving even more, giving even more has everything to do with looking at how you guys spend your time and how you can just navigate things a little bit better to rearrange so that we can make sure that if in my instance, like if the waves are pumping, like that my guy gets in the water and that knowing that when he has the time to recharge and rejuvenate, that he's going to be able to give that to in the relationship. Mm-hmm. And then the third one, I know it's, you're going to be like, okay, really? But it's, it's giving again. Mm-hmm. And I say giving again because it's about praising, praising and praising your partner. So when you show your partner how much you appreciate their thoughtfulness, their kindness, or you know how amazing that they are, it really goes a long way. You know, even with um, with Bobby, my husband, if I ask him like, "Oh, honey, could you stop at the grocery store? I'm gonna make a let's just say I'm gonna make a pie. Could you pick up some apples for me?" And when he goes to the grocery store and he gets those apples, when he gets home, I'm sure to shower him with thanks and praise because it guarantees that the next time I ask him to do something, he's not going to be like grumbling and frustrated. Instead, he's happy to do it because I'm making an apple pie, right? Mm-hmm. That what it comes up down to is it really comes down to that place of reciprocity that when you are giving, giving more, giving again, and that you're, you're praising, you're making sure that you both can have that reciprocal place of getting what you need. That's where the magic happens. It's, it's in that place when it comes to love, partnership, and reciprocity. That golden rule will always prevail, you know, treating your partners you want to be treated. Mm, absolutely. It's almost like a, a bank account that you are <laughs> investing in each other's jar, uh, mm. love jar. And each of those simple or random acts of kindness and love can be invested in the relationship. And then if withdrawals have to be taken out because of a conflict or disagreement, there's still enough in that jar of of love and care and mutual respect and appreciation that that fills the cup of the both individual jars and then the the jar of the relationship. Yeah. Yeah. But I think and and I love the, the way that you've laid that out because I do. I think that Sometimes we forget about that. Sometimes we default and look at what our partner is not doing enough of. And again, that just contributes to a negative story. So when we do reflect on what story are we telling ourselves, sometimes that story is, you know, they're not doing enough, they're not giving enough, or I'm doing everything around here, which is valid. Sometimes we do feel that way. But when we're conscious about the story that we're telling and about, you know, uh, about the bank it's mm-hmm. because that's where we will get in return. We will get to feel our most fulfilled when we are conscientious about the story that we tell ourselves. Sure. Yeah. And I think it's also uh, in being in that space of, of gratitude, it helps you be able to see the big picture too, that mm. maybe if there are those blind spots that we're caught up in what's missing or scarcity or lack, that we may be missing those little nuggets or those little deposits that are being uh, added to our jar. 
and maybe disregarding them or dismissing them, which makes the partner less apt to to do it. So I, I think being yeah. able to recognize and appreciate one another is definitely key. Now I'm curious with um, with with couples and in in communication and being able to to manage stress, you know, when when the baby comes or when there is that uh, juggling act that happens, how how have you or how do you help people maintain that core couplehood in the context of that parenthood role that that can come in and sometimes take over the couplehood if people aren't intentional and conscious of it. So how do you balance that individual couple parent role so that it works in harmony with each other? That's a great question. So it's not easy. It's definitely not easy. And and I don't say that in a way to be like, well, good luck. <laughs> but instead, <laughs> you know, it I say that it's not easy because it's important to have expectations around it, to know full well that there is no one size fits all and that Monday is going to look different than Tuesday is going to look different than Wednesday. And in some ways that once you think you've got it, it's going to continue to take work. So that being said, that doesn't mean like, okay, buyer beware on, on having a baby. <laughs> but what it, you know, what it really means is to know that it is going to be ever changing. And if you're anything like me, a T-cross or I-daughter, once you feel like you have a handle on all the pieces and then you're throwing a curveball, you're like, wait a second, I didn't see that. I planned for everything else. And so to know full well right from the outset that each day is going to be different and you're going to do your absolute best um, and, and do it with intention. So then I go back to the principles with which we've started our conversation is how you show up in the world as an individual is how you show up in your relationship as a partner is also how you show up in your, you know, your family as a parent. And I think that there is a certain amount of individualization that happens, but nonetheless, I think that the same principles hold true. Getting clear about what you want your vision to look like as a parent and then taking that even a step further and communicating to your partner about what your vision together is as a family. And then when, you know, it's not a dress rehearsal that it's like live and in person live stream live stream being a parent that those the work that you've already done on yourself and on your relationship that those kind of hold your hand as you're navigating the waters of being a parent um, because if you're both already have done the work on yourself or are currently doing the work on yourself and you are communicating enough that you have a shared vision within your relationship, that anything that you, that you experience stepping into parenthood, that you're already coming from mutual ground and that reciprocity, that's going to carry you through in having a successful experience of parenting. Because I know oftentimes, you know, my clients can say that they're really overwhelmed by it. But when we take the time to go and look within on who they are and what they want, like that comes first. And I know, I know this is probably like, you know, people shooting arrows in my direction that it's family first. 
But let's just say that unless you put your oxygen mask on first and take care of yourself, you're not going to show up as a, as a great partner and you're not going to show up as a great parent. Mm-hmm. So I, I do. Absolutely. I, I say, let's, let's fill your cup first. Let's see who you are, what you want, what gets in your way. What can you do about going into the basement and seeing, you know, what's not working for you? And once you figure out that, the shared vision that you have with your partner, that's what's really going to carry you through. So one last quick question, hopefully, sure. uh, I, I'm, because I'm sure it's on some people's minds, um, because you talk about this reciprocity piece. And I'm, mm-hmm. I wonder if there are some people on the call that, that they maybe are a giver and their partner is a taker, and oh. there is a lack of reciprocity in the relationship. How might a couple navigate that if that's where they're at and that's what's going on presently in the relationship? How can they enroll the other partner to be a, a collaborative partner in the process as opposed to just give and take? Sure. So um, to be a collaborative partner in the process, I would say talking to your partner about what they want, right? Because uh, I'm with you. If you are in the relationship and you are the giver and there's a clear taker, oftentimes they're taking from a place of not feeling like they've gotten enough or that they are even clear about what they want. Um, and I know that's kind of a different spin on things. But yeah, I, I tend to look at what are people's motivations, right? And if someone feels, you know, especially as they, the givey, uh, if somebody feels as though there's too much taking in the relationship, it's often about asking that person like what they, what their vision is, what they want, and why they are feeling like their cup's not you know, full that they are taking, um, not by any means in a confrontational way, but for me and my husband, it's a, it's a really lovely conversation, um, often with, you know, um, no baby, (laughs) Mm -hmm. but a couple of glasses of wine and and a nice dinner, whether it's at home or out. And we're just talking about what our vision is. And it, it, it comes to that place of reciprocity because you're relaxed and you're communicating. And even if one person is um, more of a taker than the other, that if they are feeling like they're being heard and they're taking the time to hear you, it starts to navigate yourselves into those waters of reciprocity. So that, you know, I always believe that there must not be a clear understanding if there is um, an inequity in a relationship. Um, And if we are, we're taking that time and getting clear about what that person's vision is and what they want, I really think that that illuminates things and that, you know, that it mm-hmm. doesn't feel so much like there's a taker and a giver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe just initiating that conversation and holding space for each other and and navigating that so it becomes a win-win mm-hmm. exploration together. Yeah, it has to be an exploration together um, because we do oftentimes – one partner who wants to make things better in the relationship feels like they're doing all the heavy lifting, right? They're going on the blogs, they're uh, reading books, they're listening to um, webinars, and they're trying to do all the work and the relationship. And, and it can you know, create some resentment. But I think that you're right when it comes to needing to find that place of the win-win. Um, it, it does. It has to be shared and you can't feel like you're doing all the work. Right, and each pe- person in the relationship being the change that they want to see in their the relationship and 
taking responsibility and taking that action step. Yeah, you do. You make a good point. A lot of times there's one person in the relationship who doesn't know that things need to get better. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right? Yeah. So when you are, when you start to be the change within yourself, um, surprisingly, inevitably, um, it happens. Yeah, it's a much more powerful place to to operate from. Mm, absolutely, absolutely. I feel like you're driving the car from the driver's seat rather than the third row of the minivan. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's great. So I really enjoyed this conversation with you, Bailey, and I know that you have a very special free gift to offer our audience. Can you share what that gift is and where they can access it? And we'll include that link on on your interview page. Sure, sure. So I've created a Freedom and Abundance Action Guide. I, uh, it's a five-day journey, five-day step to be able to come into a place where not only are you starting to free yourself of your story if it's not working for you, but also to be able to create more abundance in your life. Because again, when we feel like our cup is full, that's when we're able to give abundantly to others. So mm. it is a, a five-day game changer. It's a great place for people to, to start their work. Um, so I'm happy to share that with you guys. Wonderful. And I'll include that link on your interview page uh, for those people on the call that would like to access it. Awesome. Well, once again, Bailey, it's been such a wonderful conversation. I really enjoyed chatting with you today and, and future conversations to come. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me, Andrea. I really appreciate it. Wonderful. Once again, I'm your host, Andrea Corella with True Potential Counseling. And just to recap what we covered today, we covered the three levels of awareness in relationships, how to be an ideal partner and remove blocks that get in your way, and how to create more fun, freedom, connection, and happiness with the one that you love, moving through any of the barriers, mental, emotional, and physical barriers with some practical tips that you can implement to create a relationship that you love. Be sure to check your inbox. Looking forward to maintaining a connection with you and seeing how the summit is going along the way. Take care.